0: all the places i don't know but feel like i have been to their fringes and their blood
1: Hello, I'm Emma June, and welcome to Fringes, a no-frills kind of podcast where I talk to trans and gender non-conforming Jews about our experiences with Tote and tzitzit. Tallitot are Jewish prayer shawls, and tzitzit are the knotted fringe at the bottom of them. For deeper definitions, check out the first episode. In today's episode, I got to interview a friend of mine, someone who has inspired me and in how I think about art and Judaism. She's so very thoughtful and wonderful. Here is Ezra Furtman.
2: Um, my name is Ezra Furman. Pronouns are she, her, and they, them. And I, uh, I'm. I guess, I guess that's it. Uh, I, I mean, you can ask things about me. <laughs> I'm a queer Jew who writes songs, and lives in. Somerville, Massachusetts.
0: Amazing. I think that's good. Yeah. It's a great.
2: All true. 100% true.
0: (laughs) This isn't two truths and a lie.
2: There might be a lie in here somewhere.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess I would love to start by hearing. What your first memories and recollections of tali Tote and tzitzit are?
2: Yeah. Um, well, surely in some uh, prayer setting, which uh, either it would be one of two things. It would be um, at. My parents, the the synagogue we went to when I was a kid, which was Jewish Reconstructionist Congregation in Evanston, Illinois, JRC. Um, and I guess probably that's the first time I saw them, but I might not have noticed them until I went to school, uh, starting in kindergarten at Solomon Schechter Day School in Skokie, Illinois uh a, a private Jewish school where we prayed together every morning and the adults were wearing talit for sure uh that's a school in the in the conservative Jewish movement um i'm trying to think if i have like a a more like a memorable memory memory um I they were just a- around and I knew it was uh my destiny to wear them when I um was eventually Bar mitzvahed. I would get Was
0: that the first time you wore one?
2: It was the first time I wore one. Yes, uh on my Bar Mitzvah day. And yeah, I, I got one. Yes, my parents got me one, and... and, uh, I don't know. I guess I was glad to get it. Sort of. It just was like business, as usual. It was just like, yeah, this is what you do. I'm, I'm on board. Uh, it didn't mean... I don't... I think maybe the bar mitzvah... I kind of thought, it was at that Reconstructionist show, JRC, and I like kind of took it seriously that like, I'm going to be an adult in the community now. Um, That's what I was told. And I was like, I guess this means that I like, I don't know, maybe I'll like serve on the board. Maybe they'll, like, uh, ask me my opinion about services. (laughs) And I think it was a little out of proportion. But it was this feeling of, like, I could feel it when I put on the talib. Like, oh, this gives me a status. This gives me... I've gone through a milestone. and uh, I, I did feel, the like, I can be taken seriously more seriously in this setting now. Yeah. And, and... Yeah. And thinking about that really makes me... It, it really highlights, uh... It's just in itself a reason for egalitarian use of Tali Tote. Like it... What do you mean? Well, just because, like, if I felt that, that, that means that, um... In 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 communities where women don't wear talit, they don't feel that. I mean, they they surely they feel it in other ways for other roles and things that they age into, but not in that way. And uh, it, it it might you can deny that uh, it has a elevated it elevates men against women you can say that but i think you can feel that that somebody who wears a telly feels this like special it's like a royal garb in a way you know felt that Mm -hmm. way to me when i when i turned 13 that's all i know and do you wear one now i do when i uh yeah when i pray which is um When I pray in the morning, which is uh, not every day, but definitely every multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. Does it still make you feel royal? No, I (laughs) I think that (laughs) Uh, I, I think that feeling was like everyone was looking at me wearing it and I was told it meant something communally. Uh, and I think the bar mitzvah in general, like, made me feel that way. Uh, and then, you know, less than a month later, I understood that, like, oh, there's no change in anything. <laughs> like, nothing's different after I had my bar mitzvah at the at synagogue. I'm still a kid, and those are adults. Um, I think when I wear it now... I feel like uh, a a bit of pr- protection feeling. Um, actually, it's like, not even protection, it's that feeling when you, like, wrap yourself up in a blanket to watch a movie on the couch or something. It's like, it holds me in this specific setting. You know what I mean? Like... To me, if I, if I wrap myself in a blanket and watch a movie, the blanket is part of the scene. It's part of the genre of thing that I'm doing. And so it like holds, it makes the experience more itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so same thing, like when I'm, when I'm praying with the Talit, it makes the prayer experience like, that's definitely what's happening. I, it's, I'm less likely to forget the the mood and the associations I have with it, which is, like, prayerful and uh, concentrating and uh, open and connective.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, that's really the point of the tzitzit and the talus, like, in terms of the mitzvah of wearing
2: it. So... Yeah. What do you, how do you, what do you mean, the point?
0: Well, well, I guess in my understanding... Wearing tzitzit is like a reminder of your commitment to God and commitment to fulfill mitzvot. Yeah. To to fulfill mitzvot and. um, Yeah. I think that's something you're doing when you're praying and when you're praying every morning, and so.
2: Right. It it reminds you. What you're doing while you're doing it, I will say like. That is, I feel like that's the talit gadol does that. Mm-hmm. I I I think the talit katan is extra special, and I and I haven't worn it much lately. Um, but the talit katan that you wear all the time, that seems more connected to the reminder function, mm-hmm. because it's always it's with you all day. Um, right, and I just talking about is making me want to wear it more often. There have been times I've worn it every day. Um, I don't wear it so much and I and I think it does have something to do with gender. I mean, not wearing it lately. But
0: yeah, Yeah, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, Every every year, I think, I'm, I'm more um, secure in my femininity and more just it's a slow build of more yeah. and more always looking feminine. I mean, it's been a while now that I always look at least a little a little femme. But um, yeah, and it and it. It's like, I feel better and better um, as I go on and and look more feminine. And the, the tzitzit is like, it is a... I guess it's become, to me, it feels like a reference to not only my Judaism, but Unfortunately, to, to Orthodox Judaism, um, not, not that I'm not, I'm not trying to knock Orthodox Judaism in particular, but I don't think it should only have that association. But for me, it does. That, that was just, I never um, saw people wearing talit katan, I don't think, except people who were Orthodox until much more recently in life. And uh, to be reminded all day of Orthodox Judaism, and it, yeah, that's a kind of Judaism that rejects um, queerness, uh, usually, in different degrees for different like uh, for different people who call themselves Orthodox. But yeah, it's just. Uh, You can imagine how it might be a bit of a drag to always have that reminder on your body of one sect, one sect that is often hostile to queerness. So um, it's a it's a it's a complicated thing for me. I mean, because And I and I wish it wasn't a reminder of those kind of rejections. And I wish I had more association with femme people wearing Talit Katan. I know and I know some people, I know some femmes and women who wear Talit Katan for sure. But not that many. Um, It's more rare. And it's, it's it, it and it's difficult because I I Talit Katan and in a way, like you said, that the the, the tzitzit thing in general is kind of the perfect example of one of my very very favorite things about uh, Judaism, which is being reminded all day of. Uh, Of God and honoring God Um, and how it's not a thing where you go at least for me the way I do Judaism and I think like uh, yeah the way I do Judaism it's a thing you go into a house of prayer for and then that's where you leave it it's like on every doorpost I say blessings before I drink a cup of water before I eat anything and after and Uh, Every time I go to the bathroom, um, uh, there's just lots of references to um, God, to the infinite, uh, transcendent power. And I love it. I love that it's in my mundane life. um, Because I think that's where those reminders ought to be. Um, I want to remember the big picture all day long. So philosophically, I would be per- the perfect person to want to be wearing tawie katan, um, but it is a little bit rough with the with some of its. It does have some negative associations to me.
0: Mm-hmm. When what has pushed you to wear it when you do? Because you've mentioned like
1: sometimes you wear it, and I feel like I. I've seen you in a katana a few times.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I do still wear it sometimes. Um, hang on. Yes, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think. Well, the first thing that pushed me to wear it is, is. I started, I first wore it when I was a teenager, I was maybe 15, and I decided I'm going to try to be observant of all of Orthodox Judaism. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, my, I went to a reconstructionist show, and like, this was not something... Uh, anyone else in my family hardly anyone I knew was doing so yeah I wanted to wear Talit Katan and I did and um, I'm interested in Jewish observance that pushes against um, what I would do if I wasn't if I didn't Think of them as kind of commandments. Uh, I feel that's part of the value of of Jewish observance. Is like it makes you do things that you wouldn't do, um, and it, not only that, it pushes against who you already are a bit. And that is kind of one thing that matters to me about it. I want to be pushed out of my default mode um it has a lot of to it it, it's got that in common with uh my gender awakening i think because my default mode was to seem cis gendered and uh do what made other people feel comfortable and do what didn't make that you know that felt uh, the easiest thing to do and i slowly learned that i had to do things that were not the easiest thing or it was corroding my soul <laughs> to uh um to take the path of least resistance um yeah i think my default self is just like um my default mode is not good for me um.
0: <laughs> yeah well I guess I'm curious then how you like I guess I'm hearing you kind of connect some of these feelings of like ways that you push yourself to be Jewish and to be trans like kind of to it sounds to me like bring forward your best self or what feels like creating
2: hmm. uh,
0: in that direction. I, I don't know yeah. if I'm interpreting you correctly.
2: I don't know about be- but, Yeah. Yeah. Best self or yeah, I guess best self. That's, that's, that's a fine way to put it. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess then I wonder how, um, how you being trans and, and the ways that you're choosing your femininity connect to um, wearing a Talis or a Talit Katan for you,
2: if at all. Um, There's something about, well, what I wish was different about wearing talit is that it has masculine associations, and and those, I, I'd like it to have fewer. I'd like it to be more um, gender neutral or, in some ways, associated with femininity. Than it is in my mind. And I know it can be, um, and I'm I love seeing women and feminine people wearing tzitzit because it helps that shift for me. Um, but it does, it has a bit of a masculine push to wear these things. So, in a, I don't know, in a way it's kind of, uh, well, listen, I mean, I. Po- one factor to why I felt it really necessary to begin dressing feminine is that when you're dressed a certain way, you can't just hide it. Um, and one thing in my life that. Uh, my Judaism and my uh, transness have in common and my queerness is that they're hideable um, and if I meet someone who I know is not cool with either one of those things I can completely hide them I can uh, turn them off and um in one way, that's a luxury, and in another way, it's it's something I just had to learn to not do anymore. And so, one thing I really have valued about dressing and looking feminine is that I can't just hide whenever it's convenient. Um, mm-hmm. I just am wearing what I'm wearing. Uh, and I think it's true about Talikatan. Also, I mean, you can hide, you can, you can tuck those in, but, um, I mean, they're still there. And if, and if you do let them hang out, then it's like, you're really being, uh, visible in a way that you can't just like back out of, um, yeah, it's a show of
0: kind of uh, unapologeticness
2: well it's a, yeah and it's a commitment confidence yeah uh, it, it's it it doesn't let you assimilate at every convenient moment
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah I know you've been having a lot of um, like thoughts and feelings especially around assimilation oh yeah as a jew as a trans person yeah yeah i'm curious if like you're starting to touch on it if there's something particular about a tallis and assimilation and queerness that's on your brain
2: yeah well well it's a tallis is one of the most obvious signals of judaism and uh To to wear one is to be identified uh, by most onlookers. Uh, I yes I you're, we've been talking about we've had some conversations about this. I'm feeling very anti assimilationist lately, and and also anti separatist. Uh, by which I mean, I think uh, people with these invisible identities, such as Jewishness and queerness, should be really out there with with it all. And um, to me, that I think that is the best. It's the best thing for us. It's the best thing to like have a sort of message. these These groups we we have we have something to teach to uh, humanity at large, I think. And um, I think we just have to get it out there and and n- not always uh, translate it so much, actually. The not translating is really important. Like, don't uh, say like, oh, well, this thing is our version of the thing that you do. Just like, <laughs> just talk the way you we talk to each other and let that talk be heard and in the world as itself. I think, yeah, talk in our own voice and our own accents. And I also think, yeah, then the anti-separatist part of it is like, I I don't think we should, I mean, it's a, you know, we can have a retreat, but um, for for a weekend, but I think we should like live in the world and uh, impact it and, and be impacted by it and uh, keep our accents and keep our weird names and wear the weird stuff we wear. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, one thing that I I really like. Ugh, how do I want to phrase this question? Um. Well, like one thing that I have seen you do that I have taken as a a public display of certainly Jewishness and femininity and queerness and all of these things is performing and performing in tzitzit or performing in a kippah or both and like in a dress and um and like raging (laughs) um yeah (laughs) I I mean (laughs) uh I guess like I wonder what it means to you to to perform on stage um as a queer Jew in all of that and and in like the um, the garb that makes that visible to your audience—full of
2: people you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, I like to. Uh, that that frontier is a place where my queerness is way out ahead of my Jewishness. The visibility of my queerness is. I've made that an obvious part of who I am in public, and my and then I'll and then I'll talk about my Jewishness sometimes in interviews. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I wear uh, tzitzis hanging out of a out of a skirt or something. Sometimes I wear a kippah. Uh A kippah often falls off when performing because I tend to thrash around a bit you know so it's it can get askew i i i would actually kind of like like to use that fact more someone with an askew keeper could just be like could be, become a new symbol of rock and roll uh, abandon uh <laughs> but um yeah that, so that's something i noticed why is it and I, I don't know if it's been harder to push forward my visible Jewishness, but like it, it maybe it feels like there's more of an existing tradition of visible queerness in secular music than than there is uh, visible Jewishness. I'm not. Th- there's also something about. Being Jewish has a, an association of, like, not coolness, which, yeah, and a jokey, like, it's a joke in Hollywood movies if a Jew in, like, a black hat or a tallit shows up in the movie. And sometimes that's just the punchline is there's a person who looks Jewish here, and then he talks in a Ashkenazi accent. It's hilarious by itself. It really just <laughs> pisses me off um but yes because we're deep in galut you know (laughs) we're like we're we're in exile you know we 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 have been outsiders in other people's countries so so much that we internalize their disgust and ridicule into and yeah and we like turn it into like a hey isn't this we can have fun with it you know but it's like it is like an embarrassment <laughs> um it's it we have this built-in shame about our uh beautiful culture um and we don't think of ourselves as beautiful or sexy or rock and roll or rock yeah cool whatever um yeah. and, and it's because nobody i don't know Nobody does. Nobody has, uh, placed it. I mean, it's also, it's, there's more to say about that. Like, like rock and roll pushes in a, often in a not religious, uh, pious direction. It's, it's impious and irreverent and, uh, religion is pious and reverent. So that's a thing too. Mm -hmm. um, But it matters so much sometimes to, I mean, people see me being visibly Jewish on stage and they're like, yo, that matters. Nobody does that. That makes me feel at home to see you and looking like that and and treating that as something to not apologize for. That dynamic is also really big for looking queer on stage. I mean, that's like, it's shaped who even comes to my... Shows and and it's like part of what my work means to people when it does mean something to to people. It it usually my uh, fierce and not apologized for queerness is uh, a part of that uh, content of the work and uh, impact of it um yeah i i think it's worth recounting that that we met each other i believe we met each other the first time in person was at that show in cambridge a few days after the shooting at the tree of life synagogue in um in pittsburgh
0: it was yeah yeah yeah
2: and all that week I was like wearing tzitzit and wearing kippah and just I don't know I mean I think I tried to say something about it I mean I was just like in a state of such heartbreak that week and uh trying to make it through lines like, I don't think I'll be showing up at synagogue at quarter past seven from my song Marishina red Dress 899 at Goodwill from the album Transangelic Exodus, available at your local um, <laughs> online record, whatever for the low price of etc. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a that was when I, we talked after that show for, like, a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I introduced myself to you. I mean, we had talked online some before, but I okay. was uh, in my own stupor following um, that shooting, and... Like really didn't know what to do with myself, and I think day of saw that you were performing, and it wasn't sold out, and knew that you were a queer Jew, and was like, "It's time." Well, I've I've always wanted to meet her, and uh, it's today's the day, and I went and I went in my in my and that's um, right, and like you, I remember you saying something on stage along the lines of like, this has happened, I know it has happened, I know, uh, you know, what I'm wearing and what I look like, and I need to say that I'm Jewish and I'm upset, but I really can't speak to it. And you were like, just know that every time I'm singing, that's, and like screaming, that's me speaking to it. And I think I remember just also then screaming and feeling like, this is what I needed. (laughs) um from from the world it felt like such a gift uh and then yeah afterward we we talked about both being in sitsis and
2: you gave me some uh uh, you gave me those yiddish uh, iron-on patches or sew on patches yeah that's yo but but i don't know i really noticed that that um me being trans and me being Jewish are, are, can be publicly visible and I make them visible on purpose. Um, and I, I feel like it, it is teaching me something about um, the, how minority communities can thrive. Or I'm trying to like d- discern some message in it about that, um, and that what I what I've discerned, I think <laughs> I start to discern is like just more visible um, is good. I don't know. I mean, it's always hard to argue that when it comes with the threat of violence. Um, as it really does. Uh, it definitely yeah. does. I
0: think. I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I just think it's always a personal choice. But it is a powerful one. When you can make it.
2: Yeah. Um, feel able to make and, it. But I. I do see a benefit. Of like. Speaking not. Not teaching people who don't know about it, not explaining yourself, just being yourself without, with minimal explanation, and let that be what acclimates people to it. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think I feel... Does that make
0: sense? Pretty similarly. Um, At least in that I want, I think, I want to bring people into my world not to like have to or sorry not bring people into my world but like have them become a part of my world because they stick around understand things because they like try glimpse your world um yeah if they don't already know immediately and not to make that actively hard for anybody but just not to cater
2: yeah but not spend your energy on like walking right. them through it um, yeah did you see that movie um i Disclosure? still haven't no that documentary I still haven't. No. oh yeah that's i mean i there was something i liked about that is I, I i think it was all the interviews were all with trans people and the filmmakers were all trans and you could tell uh, you know you could just tell um in the interviews, that they were, these were trans people talking to each other. Yeah. Like just in the jokes they could make and the things they didn't have to explain and it, yeah, good documentary. Recommend it to all listeners. Like another
0: question I have and something I think I've talked to a bunch of the people I've interviewed before about is just. Like, kind of trying to find. Like, like we've kind of talked here about how. I don't know. Like, Atalus is traditionally masculine, and also like in general. Uh, thought of or created to exist on this binary that we don't exist in, and, mm. um, and, like in order to wear a talis, I think, or other ritual objects, I think sometimes we have to be, like, creative about how we make ritual our own. Um, Yeah. Or, like, uh, there's, like, an active struggle with ritual to feel included in it. Yeah. uh, At least some of the time. And I'm curious if there are ways that you felt creative or... Um, like, kind of in charge of making the practice of wearing a tallis your own.
2: Um. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I must point out that, like, in the Bible, there's nothing in this commandment that suggests that it's only a commandment for men. I don't really understand how it became a men only thing. I mean, I'd, I guess it's, there must be a similar answer to a lot of things that are men only in uh, in Jewish practice. Um, but like, I, I guess I just say that to say that it's, it, it to me, it seems wide open for all to claim and to degender because it just got gendered along the way and it doesn't seem thematically it doesn't seem necessary at all for it to be gendered like even religiously although mm-hmm. you know i'm no great scholar of uh, halakha <laughs> i think i will admit that um as for me There's just, I don't know if I've been so creative with it, but I just enjoy the way it interacts with my non-masculine self. Like, I just, it's just fun to be like, I'm like wearing a short dress and the tzitzit are trailing out of it. Or, um... I'm wearing the Talit Katan over my bra. And, you know, it's when, when it's something like this with, I've seen very little precedent for that kind of thing that like every little detail like that takes on a sort of power. It's like, this is such a tiny percent of the way the the I don't know of the people wearing it. This is such a no one's doing it like this, <laughs> um, and that makes it feel like just the way that I wear it. It it actually. I don't know. It's like dropping a little, um, I can't think of the right metaphor. I was going to (laughs) say like food coloring into into a cup of water and like the whole thing turns pink. Um, It feels like it it transforms the whole practice. And for me, like how it resonates and that demasculinizing of the mitzvah of tzitzit, which I think like needs to happen. I can feel myself doing that. And I, I, even if it's only for my own associations with it, I can feel them the, the needle move. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of cool. Really talking about this cool. really makes me want to wear Talit more often again it's you know it's like some things you like don't want them to be to be dysphoria triggering but you kind of should admit when they are you know (laughs) you don't you know being be kind to yourself you can't you can't talk yourself out of dysphoria for a political reason um yeah and I'm actually at a point I don't know. I'm I'm way delayed on actually doing something about this, but I really want to have some more femininity in my tzitzit life, and I think if I had like yeah, just I think if the if the four-cornered garment was more like kind of feminine and. Uh, Maybe it could even be sort of a kind of like a bra or something with tzitzit on it. Like I would be so much more psyched to be fulfilling that mitzvah. Yeah, it would be like yeah, hidur mitzvah really for uh, like in a, in a really big impactful way. Hidur mitzvah meaning like making the mitzvah right. more beautiful, which is a concept I guess in the right in, in the Talmud or.
0: You've no, I mean there are practiced. so many. I like. I'm not that you particularly want to wear, it this way exactly. But I just had, kind of the image of um, <laughs> of like Orville Peck's mask. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, like the fringes from that, but like, almost like a flapper bra, I guess, and then. Oh yeah, yeah. T- but with the seat seat on, the corners of it.
2: Oh my god! I don't know. So like, dope. why haven't I yeah. seen
0: anything like that? Yeah, there's so That's many ridiculous. possibilities.
2: Yeah, when you think of how fringes are used in fashion, like it's just like there's so many possibilities. <laughs> Where but is
0: it, my cowboy bra talis katana?
2: <laughs> right. It, and and you, it's like you think it's because like oh well the demand is so small. Like who who wears that? What percentage of the population is interested in wearing this kind of thing? But like. If there was more of it, I bet so many people who have never worn any kind of any talit katan would be like, "Oh hell yeah, I'd love to," you know, to <laughs> adorn myself in that. It's dope, you know. Yeah. And then we could just be, you know, doing what Chabad does, getting more people to observe mitzvahs. <laughs> just, you know, just some, with our aesthetic some... beauty. <laughs> queer guerrilla (laughs) tactics
0: (laughs) yeah I mean it's just a I I think it it really it's like a what is the phrase like if you build it they will come if you make it then people will see it and want it but if it doesn't seem like an option then how could it be an option in 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 the right
2: yeah mm-hmm um, yeah uh let's go into business together <laughs> i guess with, with the chabad house rabbi oh god <laughs> Actually, i don't know if i can do that part <laughs> uh, yeah you might be right uh, that might not be a uh, we might not be birds of a feather
0: but uh I- i'll open an etsy shop <laughs>
2: Alright, All right, do it then.
0: Okay. I will. Watch me. <laughs> I just have to learn how to sew.
2: <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't know how to do that. Yeah. Well, these things seem possible. Mm. They're
0: impossible.
2: I'll, I'll be a loyal customer (laughs) well
0: I I think I mean that's that's what I have in the way of questions for you but do you have any I guess other like lingering thoughts or things you wanted to make sure you said or shared that uh, haven't come up
2: um well I guess I I like thinking about um, I think we all walk around with like a with like a cloud over our heads and you can control what's in that cloud, a cloud of you know you're this is like why I listen to music in the car and on headphones to walk around with something that makes my neutral life have, it's a different content. I think that's what, um, I think that's the essence of the idea of the mitzvah of tzitzit. And, um, you know, even if you're not wearing tzitzit, walking around all day, I just want to bless you, listener, whoever you are, That you'll have a kind of atzitzit-like thought or mood or uh, intention in your heart as you walk through the world in these uncertain days. That's my blessing to you that maybe anything could be atzitzit and, you know, uh, it can be whatever you want it to be. Amen. I Amen. I Thanks for talking with me on the podcast. Thanks for talking with me.
1: Thanks for listening to Fringes, my passion project supported by Adva Designs. For more definitions, as well as a transcription of the episode, please check out the show notes on our website, slash episode 10. That's A D V A H D E S I G N S dot com slash E P I S O D E one zero. As always, the interviews I do and the stories I get to share through this podcast cannot possibly capture the breadth of experiences in the world. I'm inevitably leaving people out. That said, this project is growing. If your story feels left out and you want to share it, please reach out to me at emma at that's E-M-M-A at A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot huge thanks to Sarah Resnick, my producer, and to Home Despot, the incredible musician behind the music. And thank you for listening. This episode contains the last interview I have recorded. While episodes will no longer be regular, I will still be open to recording more and will release episodes on Fridays when available. This project is so joyful. I'm really excited to see how it changes from here. Truly, thanks for all your support.